0: Today's On Shuffle episode is brought to you by Belvedere Vodka. Produced in one of the world's longest running distilleries, Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka. Crafted by a collective of master distillers, Belvedere Vodka is made with non-GMO Polish rye, pure water, and no additives. Recognized for quality, Belvedere Vodka was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Thus, we're very excited to have Belvedere Vodka as the sponsor of On Shuffle. Enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka today and remember to always drink responsibly. We are black again. Welcome to On Shuffle, a podcast about music we're listening to right now. I'm your host, Micah Peters. I'm also a staff writer at The Ringer. Great website. And currently, I'm staring at this leaked ASAP Rocky album track list trying to determine whether or not it's real. But... Today, we are gonna be talking a little bit about Janet Jackson's legacy, fresh off of winning her Icon Award at the Billboard Music Awards with Michael Arsenault. Also, we're gonna be talking a little bit about what Meek Mill's been up to with my colleague, Justin Charity. And lastly, we have some music recommendations for you. Let's get into it.
1: It is my honor to present the Billboard
2: Icon Award. Show your love for Janet Jackson! I'm deeply humbled and grateful for this award. I believe that for all the challenges, for all our challenges, we live at a glorious moment in history. It's a moment when, at long last,
0: women have made it clear that we will no longer be controlled or abused. On Sunday night, Janet Jackson became the first black woman to receive the Icon Award of the Billboard Music Awards, commemorating a career that spanned decades and garnered, I just Googled this to see it all in one place, 170 other awards. Here to aggressively agree with me that it is about time, as cultural critic and published author, he just released a book called I Can't Date Jesus, Michael Arsenault. How are you doing today, ma'am? Good, thank you for having me. And it's coming, but yes, it's available for pre order people. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna drop the link in the show notes afterward. But let's get into that performance a little bit, which was actually previously unannounced, but was obviously always going to happen. She went through a short medley. Uh, there was Nasty and then Throb, which is like a pulsing house number with a lot of moaning. Come for me. I'm actually very happy she's tapped.
2: Back into her sexuality when she was married and wearing the um, the genie pants, um, she still was doing all of the songs, but she was actually a lot more toned down. She's back to her old self, or at least how a lot of us remember her. It's interesting. Around 2015 is when I felt like she was finally starting to be treated the way she used to. You know, Unbreakable came out, and No Sleep was actually a moderate hit for her. It was one of her first times she was able to get like a number one single, like the old adult R and B charts. in Forever it was like classic Janet. But then she had the babies, so a lot of us was like, all right, girl um but seeing her at the tour last, it was so good because that show was for the fans like that um they switched up the the set list they included a lot of like deep cuts you have if you love Janet Jackson, you know the body that loves you, mm-hmm. you know twenty four play like mm-hmm. her uh, creative director Gil definitely had her kind of mesh up. It was just kind of hit after hit after hit after hit. But she had such a different energy. I read that Bill Ward cover story and I kind of just wish I would have been able to, somebody could have asked her, you know, what does it feel like to essentially be kind of tossed away for a while and then people are finally kind of not necessarily the public, but more so like the press is just kind of remembering that Janet Jackson used to be such a big deal. But when you see her in concert and when you see her on these festivals that are coming, like she, she just used to be huge. And it's just funny how she wasn't treated that way for so long because she clearly still has
0: it. Right. So, I mean, when Control arrived in 1986, it was like markedly different from the rest of pop music. It was large, it was big, it was mechanical, but also, you know, like reserved, um, and it seems like it was just a thing that everybody forgot about down the line.
2: You know, you know, like it was control, it was nation, it was um the Janet album, the Velvet Rope, and then even All For You actually did pretty well. Like honestly, Demita Joe was a much better album than I think a lot of people remembered. Um, it had one of her best singles that she had released kind of like in years, like I Want You. Feels- She sounds great. she' actually sounds a lot like she sounds like her brother but vocally that was to me really good from her. I just wish people pay more attention to that album but just everything got overshadowed and you know, to me, I'm actually named after Michael Jackson. I love Michael Jackson, but to me, Janet has actually been more consistent musically in terms of her albums than her brother has. Mm-hmm. And twice in her career, she had like the biggest recording contract in history at the time. Like, it's it's amazing just how a decade went by. Like the
0: entire 2000s kind of just was like a Janet became like an afterthought. It's very strange. Nine years. Nine years is how long it's been. Almost a decade since she's performed on live television in the U.S. And I guess I wanted to ask, like, where were you during the halftime performance of Super Bowl 38, the one with Nellie Kid Rock Diddy and the wardrobe malfunction heard around the world? Nipplegate, as you've called it before. I remember being geeked about Beyonce doing the
2: national anthem. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've written about this many, many times. I loathe Justin Timberlake for what he did to her. I loathe with. Everyone did to her, but I particularly loathe him because he left her out to dry, which, you know, we don't have to kind of go belabor the point. But I wish he had stood by her. Um, it might not have helped prevent what ultimately happened, but it would have meant more, I think, to their relationship and just kind of like artist to artist. Like she put you on her platform. Right. And you kind of just ditched her. But yeah, it's just amazing to me that that one incident kind of evaporated a very, very, very lengthy career of, like, where she was consistently... Because even around that time, like, All For You, she still was putting out hits. She was preventing Destiny's Child from getting, like, number one with Survivor with um, All For You. Like, she was still very much that girl, and it went away. And it was really sad just because I really enjoyed Demita Joe. I liked it actually better than All For You. She was kind of tapping back into R&B.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then I remember after that when she just... Even when she used to actually try to tour, the tours were not selling...
0: And then there were the Jermaine Dupree years that we don't really acknowledge. Uh. <laughs> it's just Justin Timberlake has that superpower where he's just kind of impervious to scandal. And then there was that Zane Lowe interview around Man of the Woods, where he talked about basically reaching out to Janet and, you know, like offering an olive branch, so to speak, and like her accepting and whatnot. So why did people forget about her for a decade? I think
2: her core fan base, which is expansive, didn't necessarily forget about her, but I think The press fell in line with the campaign to make her a pariah. And I just think it was impossible for her to kind of overcome that, at least with mainstream audience, because I will say during that period, her black bands kept her floating. You know, Mm -hmm. Tyler Perry put her in movies. She did Essence Fest way back then. So this is all pre-social media, Mm -hmm. whereas black people can actually control the conversation a lot of ways on platforms like Twitter and Instagram That wasn't the case back then. So it was it was a lot more difficult to push back against the narrative and kind of like keep her out there and like defend her. And I and I will be honest, I don't think her her albums after Demita Joe kind of helped because the music was largely uninspired and lackluster. There were moments, I will say, with feedback. I I think if Rihanna had did that song, it would have been a hit. But again, it was still just so much against her. And I will say the Rock With You song and video are probably some of her best work. That video, actually, the choreography alone is one of the best things she's ever done. But I think the the backlash among the press, people were so afraid to touch her. I think it was just a little insurmountable. But there were people, particularly black people, that tried to keep her as In part the of the conversation. Yeah. You know? We just didn't have as loud a megaphone.
0: Huh? <laughs> okay, so back to... The Billboard Music Awards for a second. Yes. The speech. How did we feel about it exactly?
2: I don't want to project, but it seems like she, even at the tour, you just noticed there was a specific smile on her face when people were like just screaming every lyric, including the deep cuts, that only a fan would know you could tell she was very happy. Because, I mean, for most of her career, everyone's worshipped her. And she hasn't been on, like, that kind of platform in forever. And even, like, having, like, the sold-out tours. So it was was nice. I got that same feeling. Like, she looks like she's kind of at peace, and she's very happy that people are kind of paying homage. As much as I love Beyoncé, she's my original Beyoncé. And Mm -hmm. if anything, when people compare Beyoncé to Michael, I actually think Beyoncé's more like Janet Jackson, if Janet Jackson got the respect she deserved during the peak of her career.
0: Ah, okay, okay. Well, in any case, this is a good headspace for her to be in since she's going to be everywhere this summer. I mean, like, she's got appearances at Essence Fest, Panorama, Outside Lands, plus her own tour. Are you going to see her at all this summer?
2: I am supposed to see her at Essence, actually. And I'm excited. I think she's playing this really nice. I think she knows that the tide has shifted. I think because of social media, people can kind of amplify You know, the fact that she was wronged and I think her team is playing this really smart to put her on the festival route to make sure she got this award to give that great performance. She's like letting people know she's invested in kind of like be back out there. And I like that she's actually putting out more new music. I'm not like Wendy Williams who thinks you should only just stick to the hits. I think (laughs) I actually am curious to see what more Janet could sound like right now.
0: Yeah, it's easy to relax backward into your Kennedy Center honors phase of your career, I guess. Before you go, since you said that you've seen Janet like a bunch of times, what is your absolute favorite moment from all the times that you've seen her live?
2: I will never forgive my mother for not allowing me to go see the Janet tour, Um, because I think that would have been my most cherished memory, because that was when I was obsessed with her and her dancer, Omar Lopez,
0: from the video. Um, But you wrote for Ebony Magazine, like, on the 20th anniversary of the album, right? And about how you were listening to it when you were nine and shouldn't have been at the time.
2: (laughs) I shouldn't have been. I actually write about her in
0: the book. I've written a piece before about what she taught me about sex. I think
2: Janet Jackson just is sex depression she's just an amazing person but my favorite memory was actually the all for you tour because we were the first date in houston after she had to cancel dates for september 11th mm-hmm. um so obviously people were not in the best mood but it was a couple of days after and people just wanted to have a really good time and she was amazing never seen Janet Jackson live you are cheating yourself again that was when Janet was still kind of like peaking so it was nice to see her kind of in that moment whereas now she's basically floating above which she should but please go see her (laughs) I have to go
0: I haven't yet and I've apparently been cheating myself, so thank you. You're bribing yourself
2: because that that knee might not go out, but you know, my mom might get tired. She's 50 and a mom. You better get it now.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on the pod to talk today about Janet and everyone. When Michael Arsenault's book "I Can't Take Jesus" comes out, go buy that. Please
2: do, and thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Hey listeners, Meek Mill is free and we're going to talk about what he's been up to and what might be next for him musically. But first I want to talk to you about one of our sponsors. Driven by the mission to provide a better place to sleep for everybody, Lisa is an innovative, direct-to-consumer online mattress brand that is also socially conscious. In fact, for every 10 mattresses Lisa sells, they donate one to a shelter through their 110 program. They also plant one tree for every mattress sold and donate 1% of each employee's time to volunteer for local causes. Not to mention, with a patented universal adaptive feel, Lisa is designed for all types of sleepers and features three premium foam layers, including 2-inch Avena foam top layer for cooling and breathability, 2-inch memory foam middle layer for body contouring and pressure relief, and 6-inch dense core support foam for durability and structure, which works for sleepers of all sizes. And now, Lisa is continuing to expand its offerings to include Lisa pillow, blanket, foundation, and frame. No wonder it's a Forbes top 20 startups to watch. Try Lisa mattress in your own home for 100 nights risk-free. Available in the US, UK, Canada, and Germany online with free shipping. This 100% American-made mattress ships compressed in a box right to your door or try it at the Lisa Dream Gallery in Soho, New York and Virginia Beach and over 80 West Elm Storms nationwide. For Memorial Day, get $160 off when you go to lisa.com shuffle. That's lees acom slash shuffle. Go get yours. Meek Mill was going to meet with Donald Trump last week, but canceled his appearance at the White House at the very last minute. This was a personal decision and not because of a call from Jay-Z urging Meek Mill not to go full Kanye, despite what you read on the Internet. Since being released on bail in late April, he's made barely any mention of new music. But Meek has been big into prison reform. My colleague Justin Charity wrote for the ringer.com, which is a great website. For now, he's an activist and an unlikely political mascot. Charity joins me now. Charity, like, how exactly unlikely is it? Does this not seem like a logical progression of his career, given, you know, like, the content of his music?
1: Well, I think, okay, you're saying logical progression. I When I look at Meek, and when I look at Meek with surprise at his, his post-prison um, activism, as it were, mm-hmm. it's mostly just because over the years, Meek, to me, has seemed... Kind of Meek, frankly. He seemed kind of (laughs) press shy in a very particular way. Yeah. Like, one thing I think about with Meek all the time is he did this one interview with Elliot Wilson on camera at Nobu, and (laughs) it's just like a very (laughs) stunt rapper move. And I just remember, this was like, I want to say four or five years ago, Mm -hmm. and the whole time Meek is sitting there, and he's doing the stunt rapper move of doing an interview where he he has all of this, like, hundreds of dollars of food on a table at Nobu. That he's never going to eat. Right. Having, well, no, but he's eating it. But it where a normal rapper would just have that as their their sort of stunt move and they'd otherwise do the interview, Meek is actually just eating the whole time and he doesn't really he, he doesn't really seem to want to talk very much and he's very tight-lipped. And I, you know, for the longest time to me, Meek seemed like a rapper who actually um had a sort of ceiling in terms of how effective he could be in the context of interviews and in the context of communicating outside of his music. Cause on his music, he's, he's, I mean, it's a trope that Meek Mill is loud and exaggerated on records in a way that he yeah, just caps lock isn't. Raps. Yeah. Right. He's caps lock as a rapper, but when you get him in an interview, when you get him outside of, of music, he, he's sort of press shy in this way that does make it, I would say ex- exceptionally surprising to see him sort of, Now standing, you know, beside the governor of Pennsylvania and doing press conferences, I just never thought I would see that.
0: Right. You wrote a a little interestingly, like at the end of your piece about Meek Mill and the fact that he's become sort of like this avatar and a sports icon and all these other things since, since free Meek Mill, the hashtag free Meek Mill campaign began. Right. How did you feel when... Dreams and Nightmares became such an like, just was revived during the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl run.
2: I used to pray for times like this, to rhyme like this. So I had to grind like that, to shine like this. In a matter of time, I spent on some locked up
1: shit in the back of the paddy wagon. There's something uncanny about that song becoming this ad hoc anthem in that there's lots of Meek Mill music that has come out since the Dreams and Nightmares intro, mm-hmm. right? And so, in a certain way, as much as I love that song, Wins and Losses a-
0: was also a really good album, guys. By the way, Just yes. if, if, if for nothing else, but for Wee Ball, like with Young Thug, I actually cried listening to that more times than I care to admit. But anyway, continue.
1: Well, it's just something for Lauren about the idea that that Meek has released so much music since the Dreams and Nightmares intro, and yet, you know, he 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 goes to jail and the song that comes to define him is a relatively old song of his that seems to encapsulate this idea that Meek didn't really reach he didn't really reach the highs that that song promised right like he did not as much as he had songs chart higher than the dreams and nightmares intro there is something about the fact of of resurrecting that song in particular that seems very nostalgic for a rapper who is still around
0: and still making music you yeah know? I mean like it's the intro to his debut full length album yeah right. it's, it's a weird thing to choose um,
1: right. but it also makes sense because it's a great song and it has an energy it has this the thing about that song that we don't talk enough about is that it has a unique energy and it's hot, it's cold hot nature is just something that there just isn't another rap song like it Hold on, There are plenty of anthemic rap songs, but there are not other rap songs that are anthemic in the way that Dreams and Nightmares is.
0: Right. So, like, around the time of the Meat Mill Drake beef, which I think the entire internet handled poorly, <laughs> including myself, uh, there was a report in the from the American Psychological Association by uh, Sindrine Robinson Head that was basically talking about using Meek Mill in therapy sessions because quote unquote music can help clients identify emotions and reframe cognition. So there's always been that sort of extra thing that makes Meek Mill's music inspiring on a level that's just like, you know, a couple more notches out of 10 than his his contemporaries. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, you know, and I mean, like, if you look at just all of his music, is just I mean, the imprint is Dream Chasers. That album is Dreams Worth More Than Money. You know, it's yeah, th-
1: yeah. There's something very, there's something, and I, and I don't mean this in a bad way. There's something very unsubtle about Meek. There's something very, I would say, admirably, sh- admirably straightforward about him. And the effect, it's it's more like his music can be unsophisticated, but. The effect of his music is sophisticated and powerful and interesting, but he's a, yeah, he's dynamic in volume, but his themes are actually very straightforward and very um, obvious a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. but he still makes this very powerful music that has uh, a real emotional impact.
0: You did see his first live performance since being released on bail in late April, when he went to Rolling Loud and performed "Dreams and Nightmares," right? It was just a sea of people that know all of the words, and it's just—I mean, it's triumphant for lack of a better word. And I don't know if you heard the one snippet from the music that's approaching, actually, and it sounds exactly like "Dreams and Nightmares." But where do you? Where would you say that he could like logically go? On his next album, or if there is a next one, or if he's just going to continue with his political activism, everything is pinned, of course, upon you know his his ongoing fight with recidivism. But I mean, where you go
1: musically, like who knows, right? Like who he, really I mean, knows? He, it's one of those things where it's like I, I think people prognosticate about stuff like that all the time, and the answer is just he makes a hit record and his career goes well, or he doesn't make a hit record and his career doesn't go so well. But I think the real, like, the real interesting thing, right, is Meek Mill is a rapper who went through a prison bid sort of, well, he was on probation for, like, more than a decade, but he went back to prison, uh, went through this whole ordeal, gets out on bail after a whole bunch of nonsense with the legal system, and he's not the first rapper that this happens to. Right. Like and not even in this decade or the last decade. And the thing about all of the other rappers that I think of is that they come out, they leave jail and they we're mo- we're mostly focused on their music. Right. It's sort of it's good to have this person back. I wonder what this phase of their musical career is. And I think Meek Meek is wise in a certain way. I think rumored meetings with Trump notwithstanding yeah. Meek is wise to sort of split his time and his brand here between yo, get ready for new music coming out, TBD, versus... No, let's actually talk about the fact that I was in jail. I was in jail for... kind of fucked up that I was in jail. Exactly. Because, like, like, all those other guys, like, Gucci, Boosie, you know, those guys get out, and the narrative sort of organizes itself around their music and their brands, and it's just a sort of... Their jail time becomes this obscured thing. It's just another plot point in their Wikipedia article, and Meek Meek has made an interesting choice here to say no, we really need to, like, let's talk about why I was in jail. Like, let's actually, I want to spend a few minutes on this because, you know, this illustrates something.
0: Well, he said, one for one, I didn't write a single rap while I was in jail. jail. Right, right. So it's like, I got nothing for
1: you guys. I'm (laughs) sorry, I'm not Gucci. I didn't write like (laughs) 20,000 songs in jail. But two, it's like, that's that's the thing worth talking about, right? Because this was a really dramatic ordeal that a lot of people paid attention to because it was a sort of, surreal um, miscarriage of justice given yeah. the characters involved. But yeah. It's, given the I, characters it's adam-
0: involved and given the fact that it was a charge that was in 2008 and then a decade of probation that violations that were basically unavoidable based upon, you know, the fact that he is a famous rapper.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, and
0: for the record, uh, Bootsy never really got the post-jail moment he deserved, I don't think. I mean, I feel he like did but I just—I
1: just mean that Boosie and Gucci, you know, when they left jail, they and their fans and the media, as much as people were ready to talk about Boosie or Gucci, to whatever extent, they were very much interested in like, okay, this person's out of jail. Now their business is to make more music for us and make us happy. Whereas Mika's <laughs> saying, "Nah, nah, let's." The priority here actually, is actually. This talk was kind of fucked
0: up. So yeah, maybe we should yeah. talk about this for a second.
1: Yeah, and I admire that. I admire that a lot. Yeah.
0: Well, before you get out of here, I wanted to ask you a very simple question. What are you listening to right now?
1: Well, now I'm just now I'm just listening to Wins and Losses again because of you. Well, yeah, I mean because it has some
0: <laughs> joints on there. There was you know what
1: I was actually listening to uh, uh, on the way into work. Mm-hmm. I was listening to the. Jam theme song of the classic (laughs) anime series Showbits. Wow, wow. You are. Let me be with you. You better play it out on the outro. Play Let Me Be With You from Showbits if you're a real one, Micah. Wow,
0: you are nothing if not a caricature of yourself. And thank you very much for joining me today, Charity.
1: No worries. Thanks, Micah. Mm
0: Okay guys, little known fact about me, I got started writing about music by harassing a listserv at school with basically all the new music that I was listening to, and I finally found an outlet for that. People pay me for it now, and you have voluntarily subscribed to this podcast for it, so each week I'm going to try to give you uh, a new music recommendation, one new release and one from the crates. The new release for this week is... Actually, the Courtney Barnett album is called Tell Me How You Really Feel. And the the writing is amazing. It's great guitar music. And the one that I really love on this album, the song is called Help Yourself. you got your play. Don't let it go to waste. Humble but hungry need validation. Another one Actually, I'm going to give you two this week because this is the first time we're doing this is the new Lil Baby mixtape called Harder Than Ever. One of the fun facts about Lil Baby is that his mixtapes kind of had the whole Rich Homie Kwan thing going on. The first one was like (laughs) the first one was Harder Than Hard. The next one was Too The Hard Way. Another one was called Too Hard. And now we have Harder Than Ever. He recently got the Drake Stimulus package on a song called Yes Indeed, but my favorite song on this project is one called Life Goes On, which features Gunna and Lil Uzi.
2: You
0: should listen to that. And... For the one from The Crates is a song called You Gonna Miss Your Candyman by Terry Collier. I on and, up,
1: baby, you might
0: and I'd like to say that I just, you know, kind of just came across this one all on my own. It just kind of materialized in my brain. But actually... I first heard this song listening to Top Boy, and Top Boy is basically this BBC crime drama uh, that Drake loves, um, but it's kind of just about being on the road, about moving drugs, occasionally stabbing people, but it's also a lot about family. And this song was playing while Duchesne was basically getting ready for the day, and um, Kind of like, you know how there's always that one really emotional long montage before like the final episode of the season where everything goes to pot? This song was playing. So go check that out and you can find all of these songs. You don't have to go very far because it's going to be on the On Shuffle playlist, which you can find in the show notes. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to Michael Arsenault and Justin Charity for stopping by. Shout out my producers, Agia Chagre and Zach Mack. Don't forget to check out our playlist that we will be continuing to update every week with the songs that we're listening to. A link to that is in the description. Also, please rate and subscribe if you like the show. We'd really, we'd really appreciate it, guys. And also, a quick housekeeping note. Starting next week, On Shuffle will be moving to Wednesdays. Please don't cry. We out! I'm sorry.